And here we are on Tuesday on the Pure Opelka podcast. It's Mike, and it's going to be a very busy week. It already has been. Yesterday, Tracy Beans and I put out a new podcast on the Dark to Light podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. Just put in Dark to Light, and you will get Mondays. And today, it's me in the uh, Pure Opelka podcast format with a whole bunch of things that we have to talk about today, many which might irritate you, many which might educate you, and maybe even give you a little hope. It's primary day in Pennsylvania, North Carolina. Pennsylvania is the uh, primary race that's getting all the attention because if a strong Republican candidate is not going to lead the ticket, there's a chance the Democrats could grab that Senate seat, which would make it a lot tougher to get control of the Senate again. So tomorrow we'll keep an eye on that. We'll have the results tomorrow. Hopefully the party can unify. It's a pretty brutal primary. I'm just going to be happy that the television programming in my state, where I live in Delaware, right next to Philadelphia, we get all their TV channels. We will finally get a break from all the idiotic campaign commercials, at least for a few months until we get closer and closer to the election. All right, before we get into today's news, let's let's look back on this day back in the day in 1769, before the country was even formed. George Washington criticized the idea of taxation without representation which may have been one of the little sparks that started the fire that got us here. On this date in 1875, the first Kentucky Derby was run in Louisville, and I have yet to attend one of those. I would love to. Absolutely would love to. In 1965, on this date, the FBI weighed in on the lyrics, alleged dirty lyrics, for the pop song, Louis, Louis, oh yeah, we gotta go now. Not dirty at all. But we were panicked back then and trying to find filth everywhere. It was 1973, the 17th of May, that the Watergate hearings began being televised. And I remember as a young, unaware, politically unaware person, I was fascinated by this and it kind of hooked me. So that's where my addiction to understanding the politics came from as Watergate started looking into, or the House started looking into Watergate, considering impeaching the president for his role in the break-in of the Democrat headquarters there, ultimately led to Nixon resigning. And uh, a, a lot of comedy came out of that, a whole lot of comedy. If you're looking to understand it, there's an old National Lampoon album called The Missing White House Tapes that actually took the White House audio and cut it up and put together some pretty hilarious admissions of guilt. I think it's on YouTube. I think you can find on YouTube the missing White House tapes from the National Lampoon. And I will reference the National Lampoon a little bit later as we talk about the new press secretary. On this date in 2000, the Peach Pit closed. There was no real restaurant called the Peach Pit. I don't think there was, was there? Did they try to create a a chain of restaurants called the Peach Pit in honor of Beverly Hills 90210? But I say the Peach Pit closed because it was on this date in the year 2000 
that Beverly Hills 90210 became Beverly Hills 90210 over. And that show ended. Good for those people. They did well. Where are they now? I have no idea. And on this date in 2004, the first legal same-sex marriage was performed in America in Massachusetts. And now you can do that pretty much in any state in the union. And I always wonder why is the government even involved in marriage? I thought it was a religious institution and should be controlled by your religious institution. But there are, in fact, people out there who don't have faith and they want some sort of formalization. And when it breaks apart, they need some sort of formalization of their dissolution, I guess. Is that the right word? All right. Joe Biden's in Buffalo today. You know what he's going to say. He's going to push for gun control. He's going to blame racism on this, but he never went to Waukesha, Wisconsin after the Christmas parade murders by a black man mowing down dozens of people, killing six, wounding 61. Joe never went there. Kamala's husband, the second gentleman, and First Lady Jill Biden went there, but Joe never did because it doesn't meet the narrative. Now, here's an interesting stat on all of this that's going down. So we're going to hear all this um, all this grousing about uh, gun control from the Democrats. And they're all pushing it, including that idiot Eric Swalwell, who claims his four-year-old son FaceTimed him asking about the bad man in Buffalo and what daddy was going to do about it. That never happened. That's a lie. That's using your kids to try and push your agenda. Stop it. We don't believe you. And if you want to have a few laughs, go to Eric Swalwell's Twitter page and read some of the comments on it because it is good. And he keeps trying to fight back. But it is uh, very interesting. So as the Democrats are pushing more laws, more gun control, more taking away of your rights, looking into the stats around violent crimes reveals something pretty darn interesting. How many violent crimes, as a percentage, how many violent crimes actually involve guns? There are statistics on violent crimes. Many, many statistics on violent crimes. The DOJ keeps them. And in fact, in the year 2020, that's the last time we have a a solid group of data on this, there were 4,558,150 rapes, robberies, aggravated assaults. Violent crimes, over four and a half million. There were 21,570 murders. And of those murders, 13,000 involved a firearm. And the majority of those, like 90% were or, or more, were a handgun, not the long rifles that the Democrats keep wanting to go after the assault rifles that they keep saying that doesn't exist, that's, that's not a real term. It's made up. But looking at the violent crimes, the 4,500,000 of them, the use of a firearm happened in fewer than 8% of those crimes. Fewer than 8% of violent crimes involved a firearm. 
So why aren't we dealing with the 92% of violent crime in this country? It doesn't meet the agenda, of course. And why aren't we locking up these violent felons? But the stats are out there. There's a great piece on Real Clear Politics authored by our old friend John Lott Jr. You can find it and see the story. But in fact, less than 8% of violent crime is committed by a person with a firearm. So this is all for show. All of it for show. The other thing that this is meant to take your attention away from is the fact that we had a record on the border last month. The numbers of people swarming our border, in addition to the amount of illegal drugs going over the border and killing so many of our young people, over 107,000 people died last year from fentanyl and opioid overdoses, the majority of which comes across our southern border, but we're not willing to stop it. And we're about a week away from Joe Biden letting Title, what is it, Title 42 expire. And when that happens, all bets are off on the border. You will see a rush to our southern border. It's an invasion. We had over 220,000 illegals encountered at the border last month. That's a new record. And it's only going to get worse unless somebody decides to protect the sovereignty of the nation. I don't anticipate that happening. Yesterday at the White House, we had the uh, new briefing from the new press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, who I'm calling KGB. Even though it's KJP, it sounds like KGB to me. But KGB gave a briefing and we didn't learn a lot, except that she is, in fact, a black lesbian woman immigrant. And she was all excited about the historic nature of that, announcing that, in fact, she is the first black woman, openly gay immigrant to hold this position. And when I heard her talking about that, I heard her crowing about the fact that she is, in fact, historic and the first gay black woman immigrant I thought, wow, the Democrats sound like the National Lampoon. Remember, I said the National Lampoon, part of my early comedy days, uh, learning from the National Lampoon. I was not a part of it. But the National Lampoon put out a, an album called Lemmings, and it mocked Woodstock. And on the Lemmings album, they had the stage announcer going up there and talking to the lemmings in the crowd who were all gathered to kill themselves while listening to rock music it's kind of really weird woodstock was peace love etc this was peace love and music was woodstock this was music and suicide apparently and and they were lemmings but at the stage announcements in the lemmings show the announcement sounded a lot like the press secretary to me Correct me if I'm wrong. If you're not a black, homosexual, working-class woman, you're an oppressor, pig! You deserve to die! You're not worthy of the cow that died to make your stinking belt, your running dog jacko! So there it is. If you're not a black, homosexual, working-class woman, you are an oppressor. And you're not worthy of the cow that died to make your stinking belt. This was back in the 70s. National Lampoon predicted what we're facing today, talking about every every race card, gender card, every 
every card was played, every woke card was played in Corinne Jean-Pierre's first press secretary briefing. There was a lot of talk, but there were very few answers. Here's a little montage of the new press secretary, KGB, not saying anything. I have not seen that specific uh, data that you're speaking of. So I don't I don't have an update on that. I will have to check in with our team to see if we have something to share. I just don't have an update, but I, I understand the question. No, it's a it's a very good question. I don't have an update on that. I'm 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 happy to to go back and, and get that. I don't have anything specific on that. I don't have it's not it's not my place from here, this podium. So I don't have any update for, for you on that. Can you say that again? What what came back? I don't have a timeline on, on that. Um, so, are you talking about a specific tweet? I don't want to get ahead of what he's going to say. Uh so, we're 37 seconds into this. There's almost another minute left of her saying, I don't know. I can't get back to you. It goes on and on and on. It's an embarrassment on day one. I never thought I'd say this, but I miss. I miss Jen Snarky. Seriously, at least she seemed to be a little better informed and had a little more energy, too. There was an instance where a reporter actually read a tweet from Joe Biden's Twitter account about raising taxes on corporations. And this reporter wanted to know how that was going to reduce inflation. And, well, here, enjoy. President's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Um, so, are you talking about a specific tweet? He tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Look, you know, we have talked about, um, we have talked about this this past year, uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, and that is important to do, and uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the president has been, you know, working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that, uh, you know, as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to, you know, uh, you know, build a, a America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind, that is an important part of that as well. So she didn't answer the question, and that was Peter Ducey asking the question. So he went back to the well. Well, But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So, look, I think we encourage those who have done very well. Right, especially those who care about climate change, uh, to support a fair ta tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders a higher percentage of their earnings. That the most fortunate people in our nation, and not let this, this that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex existential problem. If you think about that as an example, well, so she went back to climate change, but never answered the question. This is not going to end well for this lady. She's not really good for this job. This is not the place she needs to be. It's going to be an embarrassing situation. And the reason why she can't answer the question on inflation, which is just killing us, all of us, it's hurting every single American and more so the people on the lower end of the income spectrum. Inflation. 
They've been wrong about it for so long. We can go back to a year ago. This, uh, this montage on inflation goes back to May of last year. I really doubt that we're going to see an inflationary cycle. Most economic analysts believe that it will have a temporary or transitory impact. The faster than expected increase in some of those prices is actually a good sign. The overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. So right there you have just the month of May, you have four members of the administration, including the president, the treasury secretary, and the press secretary, and an economic advisor saying, Oh, it's just going to be a little bit of nothing, and then it's going to go away. Transitory is the word that pops up. That's just one month. But wait, there's more. No one's talking about this great, great deal. This is something that will uh, settle down. Transitory. Transitory. <laughs> and the data shows that most of the price increases we've seen are were expected and expected to be temporary. There's nobody suggesting there's unchecked inflation on the way. It's highly unlikely that it's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. I don't know anybody who's worried about inflation. No, you don't know anybody. That's just July. The month of July as inflation is rising at a point where the reporters on the financial channels are using the term historic. The montage continues. Over the last couple of months, uh, we actually saw it trended downward. President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, enthusiastically retweeted an economist who had said in part, most of the economic problems we're facing, inflation, supply chains, etc., are high-class problems. Remember that? When they said it was a high-class problem that was only hitting the people who were buying expensive goods. I guess gasoline now qualifies as an expensive good. And then there was the moment that the energy secretary was confronted on an interview. I think it was CNBC confronted Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary, to ask her, how can we get more oil into the system that would effectively lower the price of gas? Her reaction is an insult to the American people. What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? (laughs) Oh, my God. That is hilarious. So she laughs and says, that is hilarious. It's an insult to each one of us. Then back in November now, we've got inflation now. It's with us. It's historic. It's out of control. Well, the number one thing that the president can do is help get COVID under control. Really, the number one thing the president can do is to help get COVID under control. If we go back to Joe Biden talking about COVID, remember, he was gonna he was gonna stop the virus in his tracks. He kept campaigning on that, and then at at the end of saying uh, I'm gonna stop the virus, when he finally got elected, he admitted the real honest part about COVID. I'm gonna shut down the virus. I'm gonna shut down the virus. Yeah. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. So Joe Biden handed it back to the states. So Jen Snarky in November tells us that the way to stop inflation is to get COVID under control. And Joe said there is no federal solution. We have to hand it back to the states. There's more on this montage. It's just really infuriating, isn't it? Uh, That we know is the root cause of inflation. President Biden this afternoon saying he thinks we're at the peak of the crisis right now. and that That was December. Just in case you're wondering, the inflation crisis peaked in December. Did it? 
Lower prices are on the way. The inflation has everything to do with the supply chain. So the supply chain was January. That was the problem. Inflation was due to the supply chain. But Joe wants us to make no mistake. Mistake. Inflation is largely the fault of Putin. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike. Remember, it was Putin's price hike just two weeks after Putin invaded. Joe was blaming a year's worth of inflation now gaining momentum on Vladimir Putin. You're at home. If you want to get rid of inflation, yes, the Chuck? only way to do it is to um, re- undo a lot of the Trump tax cuts. And- yeah, so take money out of people's pockets. If you want to get rid of inflation, take money and give it to the government. People don't know how to spend their own money. These Democrats are dangerous. And I really think that the 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 people in the country are starting to figure it out, as evidenced by the latest NBC News poll. This was on NBC and MSNBC with their pollster, their guy with the board there, Steve Kornacki. And we added a new question, this one becoming more and more important to folks. It's prices. It's the cost of living. First time we asked this about how Biden is handling that issue. Not even one in four Americans approve of how Joe Biden's handling the cost of living. So not even one in four. It was 23 percent approve of the way Joe Biden is handling your money and inflation. And that should be a gigantic warning to anyone who has a D after their name. You better start looking for another career. And I want to know who the 23% are. Who are these people? Seriously, who are the 23% who think Joe Biden's doing a good job? They approve of what he's doing. It does not make any stinking sense. Just really, really disturbing. So here we are, dealing with inflation. Or not dealing with it, as the Democrats will tell you, they're not doing a thing. They think the answer is to raise taxes on businesses who will no doubt pass those increases on to their consumers, their customers, which will raise inflation. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we have to distract. We have to go to Buffalo and to divide America. It is truly infuriating. Beyond infuriating, it should be uh, something that's got everyone angry. But does it? I don't think so. A lot of people just aren't paying attention. They have no idea. I, I also see stories that are distracting us from all of this. Stories like the story out of, um, I think it was Michigan, where three eighth graders have been cited with a Title IX violation, charged with a Title IX violation for sexual discrimination because they used the wrong pronoun when talking to a classmate. Yeah, kids never call each other names, do they? We're going to talk to Wendy Patrick about that because I have to get some answers from Wendy on how something like this can happen. She's an attorney and an author, so we'll, we'll get into that as well. The DEI madness, the diversity, equity, and inclusion madness that has taken over the lives of so many schools. It is just so infuriating to me. Oh, I see Wendy's on the phone. Wendy Patrick is joining us. And usually I get Wendy in uh, in California, but she is calling from D.C. today. 
And with all my questions I have to ask, Wendy, the first question I have to ask is, Wendy Patrick, have you been summoned to Washington, D.C. to meet with the president or sit before a congressional committee or a hearing? (laughs) Hey, not yet. (laughs) The subpoena might be in the mail, as I think some of our uh, congressional colleagues have said. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I hope not. Jeez, I hope not. But, but if you are in front of Congress, I expect a warning so I can be sitting at your table. It's like assistant counsel and I can take notes for you. I wouldn't go and testify without you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Wendy, so many things I want to get to today. I want to talk about since I had no time to watch it today. If you can give me a little update on the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing. But before we go there, there is a story. That is driving me nuts. It may win a woke Olympics gold medal or just may infuriate me and others. It's out of Wisconsin. And it's a story about a middle school that has charged three young boys with sexual harassment for using the wrong pronouns. Now, uh, did I miss a memo? When did schools get the ability to charge people with crimes? Yeah, so it's more of a complaint, but, you know, same, same sort of concept is, you know, it began in March, and the boys apparently used a biologically correct pronoun when speaking about a classmate rather than the desired they-slash-them pronouns that the student preferred. You know, remember when you look at all these email taglines flying around, people have started adding their pronouns, but a lot of people don't pay attention to that. They simply look, and if they... if they can tell somebody is biologically one gender or the other, they default by virtue of just habit and custom to using those pronouns. Well, that apparently happened here at the school, at least so goes the, the counter argument. Um, and they were charged, and, and I, I don't know exactly what charged means, certainly not a criminal charge, but you know, schools have codes of conduct too, and that appears to be what happened here, at least until we learn more information. But I mean, you could imagine the parents are fighting back saying, Biologically correct pronouns, using those don't constitute sexual harassment under Title IX, and isn't that protected by the First Amendment? So those are the two sides of the story going forward right now. Yeah, whatever happened to a mom saying, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you? Because that's what my mother would have said to me. If I had come home and said, Ma, they they called me four eyes, which they did many times. I don't like it. She'd say, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Now you go back there. But names might have been a different story if the student had used the names instead of he or she. And isn't that an interesting compromise position that many have sort of put out there is why don't you call someone by their name? Now, of course, you wouldn't call somebody four eyes, <laughs> but to refer to a student by his or her name would be different than saying, he or she, if they identify as a they. So that's just an interesting layer on this legal slash quasi-criminal. It's not a criminal, it's a civil. But when you're alleging someone did something, you know, it would be much different if they had just used the name. Well, uh, weird sidebar in all of this, Wendy, and I don't know if you knew this about me. In my past, I worked on a radio show hosted by the one and only RuPaul. And I oh, was of course. I was the executive producer and part of the show. And before I took the job, I asked the guy who was hiring me. I said, "Hey, um, what uh, do I call Rue? She, her, he, him? Why? This was this is like twenty years ago." And the guy goes, "No, it's Rue. Just call him Rue." 
and you can't get right. in any trouble. So I just used Rue's name, which prevented me from getting into any confusion. So I, I would hope the schools, this to me is overreaction from the schools. I would hope the school administrator, the principal, whomever, would have taken the three boys in and said, listen, you can't do this. This person wants to be called by a different pronoun. So just use their name. Because if you use their name, you can't get in trouble. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the, the other issues that this sort of raises is it is true in many states that, you know, you slip, people slip up and they see what looks like a man or a woman and they default to those pronouns. But that's different than intentionally refusing to honor somebody's expressed gender identity. We've actually, a lot of people don't know this, but there's actually in many states been laws on the books for years that talks about gender identity being a protected class. And obviously schools prohibit all forms of bullying and harassment according to all laws, including Title IX. Um, and they're not actively commenting on it right now, no doubt, because they're probably seeing a lawsuit coming down the line. Uh, but this is something that we've been talking about for years, and intent matters. It can't be done in, it, just in the same way you wouldn't be able to violate any other protected class maliciously. So I imagine the, these uh, claims will shake themselves out. I think what probably has our attention more than anything else on this case is the, the age, the, the tender young age of all the parties involved. We usually see this kind of thing happening in the workplace. It's a little bit unusual to see it happening in children so young. Well, you know, we go out on the playground and you see kids giving each other the business and calling each other duty head. And uh, I'm sorry, duty head is not my pronoun. You use my pronoun or you're you're a violating Title IX. I I know that the craziness of this is that in this uh, case, we're talking about eighth graders. Yeah. Eighth grade. Remember being in the eighth grade? Barely. It was like yesterday. You didn't know what titles. It was like you yesterday. Know what title when... was in the eighth grade? No, I didn't because it wasn't around then. We weren't even up to Title Two at that time. But <laughs> but the the reality here is these are kids, and kids are kids. They're not adults. They don't understand that the minute someone announces a new pronoun, any subsequent mispronunciation will be a punishable sexual harassment violation. This is this is overreaction to the maximum in my opinion, and in a time when we have a deficit in STEM, in science, technology, engineering, and math, and those are the things we should be focusing on teaching kids and not necessarily, what what is it called now? Oh, I wrote this down. I, I wrote this down. This is called uh, DEI, the DEI officer at all these schools, the diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. I'm sure they had to go see that person because now all these schools are hiring people. They're paying more money than teachers to be the DEI executive. And I just <laughs> I just think we've lost the mission statement on education. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. And you hear this. Some some parents are very vocal about really wanting a return to basics, back to basics. Let's teach the kids what they need to do to have uh, productive lives. And then, you know, we work in the wellness and health component also to an extent. And I think when these cases catch headlines, we're often looking at the extremes. Um, and I guess the good news in all of that is most kids are sensitive to the desires and the identification issues of other students. It's really the outliers that end up in, in I almost said lawsuits like this. I guess maybe I'm forecasting what perhaps the school is forecasting by saying we're not going to comment on something that's 
pending. <laughs> yeah, there's a lawsuit coming. I guarantee you, there those people, <laughs> the, the parents of those three boys are getting their doorbells rung by every lawyer in town wanting to say, Oh, I'm sure people are wanting to do it pro bono because this is high profile. You know, this is something that people are going to be watching. Absolutely. I'm just waiting for the afternoon TV commercials where you called the wrong pronoun at work or at school. Call my office and we will get you a large cash settlement. We will get you, they, them, he, her, the unicorns, whatever, a large cast. You know that's coming, Wendy. All right, Wendy, I'll stop. I'll stop making fun of lawyers. I'm sorry. Um, The Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial resumed today. Did I miss anything? Is there anything you picked up on? Oh, you know, it did pick up today. And one of the things that uh, I thought was an interesting theme, and this kind of carries through what was what began when she began her testimony over a week ago, is she's got a First Amendment right, so goes the argument, to talk about her experiences, and even if it includes that, you know, now infamous 2018 op-ed. Um, and she talks about not wanting to include Johnny's name in the matter. And obviously, I know it's like everybody's going to know who she's talking about anyway. But she talked about it not being about Johnny, but being about her. And the interesting issue that I think many of our listeners can relate to is, would we always be precluded in sharing our experiences as survivors, as victims, as as observers, whatever it is, simply by fear that it might implicate someone else and thereby expose us to civil litigation? Now, you know, we'll see how that argument plays out or in this particular trial, but just as a more general proposition, you know, there are lots of survivors that share their stories and empower and inspire others to share theirs. But every time that happens, you're necessarily sharing a story of abuse. The issue is defamation deals with false claims. Truth is always a defense. But some people would say, I'd rather not get myself tied up in litigation and have to hire a lawyer and go to court and, and literally agonize over this. So I don't know, just as a, you know, as a career sex crime prosecutor, it always kind of strikes me that this is something that many survivors think about now is what if I am accused of, of making it up or embellishing or something like this. And God forbid if somebody does make it up, that's of course the whole issue in this defamation trial, um, would that then detract from the power that you know, other survivors have in wanting to come forward. So very interesting question. You and I had the same discussion around the Jesse Smollett revelations. Remember that? Oh, we yeah. said we hope that this doesn't dissuade hate crime victims from wanting to come forward and share their experiences because they might fear they'll be disbelieved now in the wake of that verdict. Well, I can't wait to see the next chapter in this, and uh, I will be bugging you. As soon as uh, uh, something big happens. It's going to be this week, happen. and I'll be watching. Very good. Very, uh, that may be why you're in the D.C. area, because this is happening in Virginia. It might be no. exactly <laughs> why. Hmm. Hmm. Nope. I have... Testifying at a, here at a legal conference. Okay. Not, that, not as interesting as you uh, predicted. <laughs> I'm always looking for a conspiracy. Uh, her name is Wendy uh... Patrick, and she is the best. You can find her at wendypatrickphd.com or on the Twitters which is where you should find her. Wendy Patrick, my friend, thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. 